Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. From a visiting youth group and, and so many who are visiting on this holiday weekend. Hey, by the way, you're at church on a holiday weekend, right? That makes you better than everybody else, right? Because you actually showed up on a holiday. Now we are, we are so great. We have many of our church who are traveling today. And so to those on our live stream, we're so grateful that you are with us today. We miss you and can't wait to have you guys back this next week. I want to say this, uh, Pastor Zach, our worship pastor, um, isn't here. In fact, we have been in Alabama for the past couple of days on a mission trip, right, to a third world country. No, I'm kidding. We've been in Alabama, and uh, we've been leading out in worship and preaching down there, and he is, he stayed over this Sunday uh, to do that, and I know he's actually watching uh, right now, but we saw God do some really, really cool stuff, but we miss him today, but, man, how about Kyle and our team stepping up today and leading out in excellence? We're so grateful uh, for them, so thankful uh, that they'd serve the Lord in that capacity. Let me ask you a question. You ever been chased by something? I hate being chased. I mean, just plain and simple. I remember back in high school, early in college, at our church group, we would play this game called jailbreak when we went out camping. That means you would hide all around and you'd send out a team of flashlights. And I'll never forget one time this old boy took to chasing me. And I was running, so I decided I was going to cut behind this big old pickup truck. Y'all ever seen those pickup trucks with the trailer hitch about that long? Man, me either. Until my shin met it in the middle. And listen, 15 years, it still hurts, right? I'm still, I I can't stand being chased. And you know what we're going to do today is we're actually going to see one of the greatest chasing stories in all of Scripture together. But in order to prepare for that, I thought since I hate being chased so much, I want to share with you really the top four things that scare me if they ever were to chase after me. And I just want to see if maybe you're here with me, okay? Number four on my list, a clown. (laughs) Guys, listen, I know they're supposed to be for kids. If this guy took off chasing after me, that's why you carry, right? I mean, that's why, no, listen, I, it terrifies me, the thought. So if one of you were going to pull a trick on me, chase after me after church in a clown suit. Uh, anyway, me and a clown just terrifies me, right? Uh, number three, a cat. I've actually been here before. I mean, I've been chased by dogs in life. But there's something about an animal that plots your death and then acts upon it like a kitty cat does. And I'm going to tell you, it just absolutely scares me to death whenever a cat chases after I don't know what it is inside of me. Now, this next picture, just a disclaimer. And this lady is beautiful and sweet, but if she were to ever get mad and chase after me, my mother-in-law, all right? <laughs> Listen, if she were to ever chase after me, you would never find my body. I'm telling you, she would. Anyway, I just, I just, that would scare me. Now, here's, here's the number one. If you've never been here, you need to look this up on YouTube. I tried to find a video that I could share with you that didn't contain words that aren't church-friendly words. Uh, it doesn't exist on YouTube. So, number one, a rooster. Listen, how many of y'all have ever been chased by a chicken rooster in your life? You need to. It is one of the most terrifying experiences 
I'm a thousand times the size of a chicken. But when that thing starts running that neck and coming after me, I'm screaming like a girl. I'm jumping fences. I'm throwing my kids behind me to take the blood. Listen, I just can't stand the thought of being chased by a rooster or by a chicken. Now, here's the deal. Man, I hate being chased, but I do have a favorite chasing story. So when I get home from work each day, my, my, my family's always there at the door, my girls. I've got three girls, I'm seven, five, and three years old, and I got a little boy in the mix. He's just over one years old, I love that kid. But I'll come home and more than likely, here's what I'll do. I'll open the door, fee, fah. And listen, with my steps, I'm shaking the house. Fo, fum, I smell the hiney of a stinky one. And they know they better run. And so they start running with my little boy. And let me, let me show you one of my favorite pictures of him. This is my little Bennett right here. Man, isn't that good? Now listen, this was a few months ago. That boy's put on some weight. But man, I love this little boy. So when I get home and I do that fee fi fo fum thing, man, he immediately goes, ha! And then takes off running. And he never moves his arms. And he just waddles. It's the cutest thing ever. And so I'll take off after him. And listen, the whole time this little boy is just screaming and laughing and just loving every minute of it. But at some point, and thank God because I get winded easily. Listen, at some point, he just gives up running. And you know what he'll do? He'll get a little ahead of me. And he'll stop and he'll turn around. And he'll do this. And then he'll charge me with his arms open wide. And man, he'll just come and wrap his arms around his dad. And I love that chasing story. And here's what we're going to see in Scripture today. That very scene played out here in Acts chapter 8 in the Bible. Now, last week we connected with Philip. Remember him, you ready? He's the widow caretaker, the sorcery slayer, right, in the story. And we watched the gospel at work in his life as he was busy catching courage. That was our theme. From the message of the gospel and from the power of Christ in him. Now in Acts chapter 8, we understand and we pick back up with a little bit of Philip's story, right? Luke is writing Theophilus and he's sharing with Theophilus, hey, by the way, Maybe, just maybe, Theophilus is Luke's one, right? Maybe he writes, Luke writes his gospel and the account in Acts as a way to win over Theophilus, who was what would be probably a powerful man, a political man in his day, to win him over to faith and trust in Jesus. And as he writes this account out, he writes to him of the events surrounding the gospel, right? Remember the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for our sin and his conquering of the grave three days later. He's writing to Theophilus to let him know how the gospel has spread outside the walls of Jerusalem on the very heels of of persecution into neighboring communities and the neighboring regions. Now, here's the kicker. You ready? The gospel didn't leave Jerusalem in the mouths of pastors and apostles, rather in the mouths of everyday believers, who the Bible says in early parts of Acts chapter 8, shared the gospel merely wherever they went. Shared the gospel wherever they were. Today in scripture, we move with Philip as we see him move from catching courage last week to chasing chariots 
this week. Here's the truth. You ready, church? When we have caught the courage of the gospel, the power of Christ in us, and the Spirit's work through us, God sends us out chasing chariots. Today's account of an Ethiopian man. His salvation is an invitation for all of us to celebrate the salvation we have in Jesus. And you ready? And to challenge us to get busy chasing chariots. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 8 together. And we're going to begin in verse 26. And it reads like this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Also, this road would lead them into North Africa. And it says this, so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now, I want us to stop for a moment. There's a part of this story that just doesn't make sense to me at face value. And that is this. Why didn't God just send the angel down the road towards Africa to meet up with this Ethiopian man? Why not cut out the middle man, which in this story is Philip, and just send the angel? Why? Because sharing the gospel with others is not the charge of angels, but the commission of the church, the commission of every believer. Angels have never experienced God's saving grace like we have. We have a story to tell. You ready? Catch this. You are more qualified to share the good news of Jesus than any angel is. You are far more qualified than any angel to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, one might say this, well, hey, Pastor Anthony, if I had an angel tell me to go talk to somebody, and that would be no problem. I would, I would immediately, I would go talk to that person. And you know what's funny about that? Is that that type of thinking denies a biblical reality we know to be true. That the very one who lives in us is far greater than a thousand angels. Far greater than all the angels combined. And he is the very one who lives in us, directing us to the right person at the right time each and every day. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And by faith in Jesus, he is ours. And he lives in every believer. Now, I want to I paint a picture of the evangelism we see here in the text. Sometimes when we talk about sharing the gospel, in our minds, well, let's fill up the stadium, let's fill up a church, let's fill up a venue. To share the gospel deals with thousands or hundreds or dozens. And that's not the picture painted here at all in Scripture. You know what we find? That Philip was called to share the gospel not with everybody who he found on that road that day, but with one man who God was chasing after. One man. We find this, that Philip was sensitive to the Spirit of God to show up for a divine appointment set up by God himself, not for everybody on the road, but for one man on that road. Hey, oftentimes, carrying out the great commission of Jesus in Matthew 28, carrying out that 
Great commission each day doesn't mean reaching thousands, doesn't mean reaching hundreds, doesn't mean reaching dozens. More often than not, God will move your heart through his spirit to engage maybe just one person in desperate need of him. One person whom he's chasing after. And God's ready to use you. You know, I can imagine Philip standing there Angels come to him and he says, you know, I'm just a, that famous saying, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. And so the question becomes, who's this anybody that we're introduced here in Acts chapter 8 in verses 26 through 35? Who is this anybody? Well, here's what we know. You ready? Number one, he's an Ethiopian man. Now, not the modern-day Ethiopia that you pull up on Google Maps today, right? In fact, it's a more ancient African culture. I love what one guy wrote about this people. He says, this remote, advanced culture was an object of endless curiosity for the Greeks and Romans. And it represented the extreme limits of the civilized world. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Remember what Jesus said all the way back in Acts chapter 1 about the scope of the impact of the disciples after he ascended back into heaven. Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Hey, by the way, check that off the box. We've been there for a few chapters now. In Judea and Samaria, at the beginning part of this, where it was Philip, he was in Samaria. And then Jesus said to the ends of the earth, this man on that road that day, this Ethiopian man, represented the very ends of the earth in the Roman world of that day. Hey, by the way, just a reminder, Jesus knows what he's talking about. And he keeps his promises. And we see that even played out here on this road. Here's the second thing we know about this anybody. You ready? He was an Ethiopian eunuch. Now this conversation takes a weird turn for just a couple minutes. You ready? Here's what we know of. He was, he was a black man. Perhaps enslaved at a young age in his culture. And here's what would happen. More than likely at a young age, he had his male reproductive organs removed for this sole purpose, to better serve the queen. That's the weird turn, right? So moving on, here we go. Not only was he an Ethiopian, he was an Ethiopian eunuch, but he was an important man in charge of the treasury. He was in a position of power as a treasurer, a wealthy man, as noted in the fact that he was traveling in a chariot that was personally his. And that was, that was a status symbol in that day that he had. But here's the most important thing I note about this Ethiopian eunuch, is that he was an engaged God-fearer. The Bible says that he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Here's what we know of Scripture. Because of his physical condition as a eunuch, he was barred from entering the temple grounds. He was barred from assembling together with others to worship. The Bible teaches us in Deuteronomy 23.1. But here's what he could do. He could go to Jerusalem, he could stand outside the gate, and he would go and watch worship. Hey, talk about a spiritual man. He traveled over 200 miles just to stand outside the gates to worship God. He was an outsider with no way to the inside. He was a spiritual man, but something still left him searching as he stood outside of the gates. Hey, can I share something about his positions? Neither position he was in, 
was okay with God. Neither position he found himself in was okay with God, his creator. You see, God didn't want this Ethiopian to be an outsider. Rather, God wanted to invade his heart and life on the inside with his spirit. He didn't want this eunuch to be merely a spiritual man, but God sent Jesus to die on a cross and to conquer the grave so that he could be a saved man. Hear me, can I share something with you today? I don't know why you're at Connect Church. You're a little bit crazy coming to a young church like this and just showing up, but we're so glad you're here. Can I share this with you? God doesn't want you to be an outsider. He wants to invade your heart and your life on the inside. God doesn't want you to be just a spiritual person. He wants to save you and make you his son, his daughter. Now here's what we begin to see, you ready? The stage is set. The chase is on. And here's the celebration. You ready this morning? If you are in Christ, it is the celebration of this reality that God chased after you, that God chased you down in your chariot in order to save you. Now here's the challenge. If you are not in Christ today, let me remind you that God is chasing after you. Let me remind you that God is chasing you down in your chariot because he wants to save you. Because he wants you. Let's watch as this story continues to unfold here in scripture in Acts 8, 29. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. You know what he does? In obedience, he starts chasing chariots down the road. Think of it just for a moment, you ready? God sent his son, Jesus. He sent his Holy Spirit. He sent an angel. And now he is sending Philip to run down this chariot. Why? Because God loved this Ethiopian man. Was the chariot special? No, you know what the chariot symbolizes in our life just as it was for that Ethiopian eunuch that day? The chariot was just where he was. It was where he was at. There's nothing special about the chariot. Hey, church, can we celebrate a point here real quick that's, that's empowering this free? Aren't you grateful that God meets us where we are? You know what he doesn't say to us? He doesn't say, hey, listen, I need you to clean that up before you come to me. Hey, listen, I need you to get your heart right before you, you come to me. That, that is not the invitation of a God at all. God is the master at, he is skilled at, and he delights in meeting you and me where we are in our chariots. God meets us there. You know what's interesting about this text? We don't know this guy's name. We have no idea, not even church tradition, if we were to look outside of scripture, would give us a name for this Ethiopian eunuch. Here's what we do know, you ready? We know where he's from, we knew what his job was, we knew something physical about him that's a little uncomfortable, but here's what we, we don't know his name. He was known by the power he had, by the position he held, but hear me, God knew his name. He was known to God. God loved him for who he was. 
his creation, made in his image, and a soul that needed his salvation. Hey, by the way, that's how God loves all of us. He knows our name. He knows the darkest parts of our past, the depth sometimes of our rebellion against him. He knows all of that. And he loves us still. And we see that love displayed here for an Ethiopian. You know, you know what the thought sometimes that crosses our mind is, church? The thought of so many is this. I'm not worth chasing. I'll be honest with you. Most days I'm convinced there's nothing worth chasing about Anthony Kendall. It's so easy for you and I to have that thought. Yet, Scripture is, is clear. You're worth it to God. You're worth chasing to God. Not because you and I bring a lot to the table in this relationship, but because God brings everything to the table, including his love, his grace, and his mercy. Not because we are worthy, but because God is worthy and he wants our worship. Not because we have it all together, but because he has a heart for broken people. And hey, by the way, just in case you thought this relationship with God thing was all your idea, listen to what scripture reminds us. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. That this whole time, God has been chasing after us and is the initiator of love in this relationship. He is the initiator of love. And we see that played out here in this Ethiopian's life. You know what? You are worth chasing after for God. And you know what I know of him? Is that he will run down whatever chariot you are riding in in order to find you, to save you, and to do life with you. Hey, can I ask you something, believer? Aren't you grateful for the day that God chased you down? He found you. He saved you. And not only is he doing life with you, he's giving you life. I'm grateful for the day he chased me down. Watch this in scripture in verse 30. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now I want to stop for a moment. And then Philip ran up to the chariot. So, so literally, I'm not just, I don't have just a cool title today, chasing chariot. This guy ran down the chariot, ran alongside of it. And here's what I know about Philip, and I want you to take note of this. You ready? He ran up alongside of that chariot, and he didn't have all the answers. He still ran alongside of that chariot when he didn't know exactly what God was up to. But God said, I want you to chase down the chariot. And Philip said, you know what? I'm in. I don't have all the answers. God, I don't, I don't know what you're up to. But I tell you what. I sure ain't missing out. I'll run it down. And he does just that. And the Bible says that Philip ran alongside and he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Now, it was a common practice, especially in the days of Christ, for people when they studied scripture to read out loud, right? So if you and I were to talk about man, reading scripture and studying scripture each day, usually it's a pretty quiet time where we're just reflecting and reading scripture. But back then, personal devotion to God, part of that was reading scripture out loud. Let me tell you something cool about your Bible app. It'll read the word of God to you out loud. And you know what voice I love? 
I always love hearing the British voices. I don't know why. Listen, that's how I love hearing my Bible read through a British person, right? And so that's what it's on my app. I love hearing the word of God read out loud. And we see that that is what is taking place. And then Philip, as he's running alongside of the chair, he goes, hey, you understand what you're reading? Philip asked him. And by the way, remember this passage, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's something to that. Hey, do you understand what you're reading inside of there? And here's what the Ethiopian man said. How can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. What a coincidence that Philip would chase down this one chariot. What a coincidence that the man on the inside would be reading from Isaiah 53 verses seven through eight, a picture painted of Jesus by the Holy Spirit through the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before the cross actually took place. What a coincidence that this man would invite Philip in to sit in on his chariot and have a Bible study together. What a coincidence. And you know what? You read this book long enough, you engage faith long enough and you begin to realize that there is no such thing as a coincidence with God. There is no such thing as coincidences. Here, you ready? Think of it. God orchestrates all of history for this moment. Sends his son Jesus to save humanity. Sends an angel to speak to Philip. Sends his spirit to guide Philip and sends Philip chasing chariots. There's no such thing as coincidence when God is at work. Hey, by the way, it is no coincidence that God has done or is doing this exact same thing in your story as well. It is no coincidence. Hear me, church, you ready? When the Spirit of God sends you to share the gospel with someone, when he sends you to chase them down in their chariot where they are, when you sit down with that person, know that God has already been chasing after them. The Spirit is at work readying them, and Jesus wants above all else to reach down and to save them. It is no coincidence. It's the great commission in action. It is the gospel at work. Now watch this Bible study that takes place in this moving chariot. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, the Bible says, for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? himself or someone else. Hey, by the way, if you have never given this thing a try, if you've never chased down a chariot, if you've never sat with somebody and talked with them about who Jesus really is, sharing the good news with them, I'm gonna tell you, you are missing out on one of the greatest thrills in all of life. One of the the greatest joys, and here's what I'm gonna do, you ready? We're gonna be adults about this. I triple dog dare you to do it. You know you can't turn down a triple dog dare, right? 
Triple Dog Darren's got a lot of y'all in trouble in high school and college. But I tell you what, it's going to get you into a whole lot of good stuff. And our faith in Jesus. So here's what, here's kind of, we cut across the field right now. Anthony, what is it? What difference does a message like this make in my life? Here's what I want us to do together. You ready? Every believer in the room, I want us to promise to pull a Philip this week. I want you to promise with me, come alongside of me, and let's pull a Philip this week. What do I mean here? You ready? Here's the challenge from that. Oh, by the way, can't skip this verse. He invites him up, and look what Philip does. Began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Man, there's nothing like it. Triple dog, there you go. Here we go. You ready? Here's the promise to pull a Philip this week. You ready? Here's the parts of that promise. Number one, you and I are going to have to show up for divine appointments. We're, we're going to have to show up for those appointments where we know that God has already been chasing them down, chasing after them, where the Spirit's already been readying their hearts to hear the gospel, and where Jesus desires to reach down and save them. You ready? We got to show up for appointments like that. You know what's going to happen? I'm not going to talk myself out of it. I'm not going to let my fears forbid me to share. I'm not going to let my insecurities rob me of my obedience to Christ. You ready? I'm going to do just what the Holy Spirit inside of me tells me to do. And I'm going to start chasing down whatever chariot he sends me to. You want to know how to pull a Philip? You show up for these divine appointments when God sets them out before you. And you start chasing down whatever chariot, whatever chariot God sent you after. Um, I was driving back from Alabama yesterday, and uh, we had passed an exit that just about three years ago. Um, Aaron, my wife's side of the family, all lives in Alabama, bless her heart. And so they all live down there. We go visit them every year. And, uh, and there's, there's an exit, and on Thanksgiving Day is the day we typically travel. And so there's an exit with a large gas station and a McDonald's in there. So we always joke, we eat at McDonald's for Thanksgiving, right? Just, if you've never done it, don't. It's terrible. Anyway, so there's McDonald's there. And so, you know, we have four kids. We got the whole family in the car. We're just doing a quick stop, grabbing lunch and going on the road. And I'll never forget that I go up and I order uh, the menu. And, uh, and I look behind me and there's a guy sitting by himself on Thanksgiving. And I thought, man, I gotta go. And, and then I looked again, and I realized that he was, uh, he didn't have much. There was no meal in front of him. Just sitting there looking out the window. Um, his clothes, because I've done a lot of work with, with homeless ministries, I, I could tell, man, he had no place to lay his head. And I saw him and said, man, but I got kids. I got kids in a van, gotta get to Alabama. We gotta get our meal, gotta get on the road. And literally, the Holy Spirit inside of me was going, Anthony, buy his lunch. I thought, that's easy enough. Hey, throw in an extra number two, right? Supersize everything. Throw in some, some of them little uh, pies that they do. I love them pie things, and they're healthy for you. Anyway, throw a couple of those in there, and then I could just chunk it at his table, and I'll go. And so I bought him a bag and said, hey, hey buddy, uh, man, I just wanted to buy you lunch today. Wish you happy Thanksgiving. And inside of me, and I felt the Holy Spirit sit down and eat with him. I went, no. I've got to go to Alabama with my kids and my wife. We sit down and eat with him. So, man, I, I sat down there with him. 
I said, hey, buddy, listen, I just, can I tell you why I bought you so much today? He said, number one, I care for you. I said, but I, I just need to remind you that more than I do, God loves you. You're not forgotten by him. You're not a nobody to him. He loves you. So much so that he would send a pastor to the crazy land of Alabama to buy your lunch today. Then he broke down and began to weep. I said, man, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know that, that you're his? He said, sir, I don't. And so you know what I did? I hopped in his chariot. I shared some scripture with him, told him about Jesus. And do you know that that guy bowed his head over his biggie fries and his Big Mac and his drink? And he gave his heart and his life to Jesus right there in McDonald's at Thanksgiving. I didn't want to. I didn't have time to chase his chariot. I didn't have time to hop in and share the gospel that day. But you know what? It made all the difference in his world and his eternity that I did. Guys, we gotta pull some Phillips this week. Show up for a divine appointment. Hey, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're naked, clothe them. If they're hurting, heal them. No matter where you find them, no matter what their chariot looks like, show up for the divine appointment. Start chasing whatever chariot the Holy Spirit sends you after. You ready? And sit down and share the good news of Jesus. You ready? Our charge is to share with every treasurer, every traveler, every timid man or woman, every troubled soul, every tired heart, every person broken by tragedy. Our commission higher than that of the angels is to share the good news of Jesus. Hey, by the way, it is good news. Nowhere in this message of the gospel is hate. No, nowhere is it on social media in real life for you and I to point our finger to hate people. Hatred is not good news. Jesus, what he has done is the good news. Watch how this story finishes out. Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Now, wait a second, what happened to this guy? Did he place his faith and trust in Jesus? Did he follow after Jesus? What's amazing is, is that this passage doesn't answer that question, but really it does because he's taking his next step. How do we know that he was saved that day? because he's already taking his next step. Look, it says here, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Hey, by the way, with this treasure, with this official would have been an entourage. We think, oh man, this baptism was a private special thing. No, there would have been practically dozens of people who would have been there, who would have witnessed this Ethiopian eunuch making his faith and trust in Jesus public. It was a celebration on the road that day. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Hey, by the way, what does that mean? I don't know. Except for Philip was in the water, 
and then he was no more. And we're gonna see that play out at the end of the passage. And the eunuch did not see him again. But watch this, but went on his way rejoicing. Remember what I shared with you last week, that wherever the good news of the gospel takes hold, there is always joy. There is always joy. And we see such joy in the life of this Ethiopian eunuch. Hey, can I ask you a question? Do you have that joy that this Ethiopian man has? The joy of knowing that you're, you're his? The joy of placing your faith and trust in, in Jesus? Some of y'all may be like, you know what, Anthony? The truth is, is I know that God has been chasing me for a long time. And I'm still running. God has been coming after me for a long time. I'm still running from him. What do I do? You ready? Hey, let's learn something from a one-year-old little boy. Let's learn something from my little Bennett boy. Maybe you stop running and you turn around and you open your arms in faith and you wrap your arms around Jesus and let him save you. Let him give you new life. Hey, hey believer, in this conversation of pulling a Philip this week, one of the greatest dangers that I face in my week is this. Missing the opportunity. Missing the chariots. Missing the Ethiopian man. Because of my schedule. Can I, can I close by showing you a, a picture? Back in 1993, a man by the last name of Carter, Kevin Carter, took an incredible photo in the Sudan. You see, at that time, that part of the world was undergoing as serious of a famine, as critical of a famine as the world had ever known. And he was a South African journalist, and he flew into the Sudan, and he spent his time taking pictures of the devastating effects of famine. Well, he was in one village for most of the day, and there weren't many shots there, and so he decided to go into the open bush. And as he walked through the open bush, he heard the whimpers of a child. And he came up on a little girl. And she was heading to the feeding center. And she had collapsed before she got there. Here's the picture he snagged. Here she is. Devastated by famine. Her ribs are visible, her just skin and bones. And this is a vulture that landed just a few feet from her. Kevin Carter tells the story that he was banned by local officials from touching people because of the threat of disease. So he sat and watched her and this vulture for 20 minutes. Waiting for one shot. And that would be for the vulture to spread out its vast wings. And he wanted that shot, but for 20 minutes he the vulture never spread out its wings. And so he shooed away the vulture, left the girl there. He says he lit a cigarette, he talked with God and he wept. And he left. He gave this photo over to the New York Times, which made the front page, in fact, it awarded, it, it earned for Kevin Carter the Pulitzer Prize. For this photograph. 
And though he would take home the trophy, he failed to realize that the real treasure was this little girl. And his readers and the people who saw that were overcome with emotions for this little girl and began asking him the question, what did you do to help her? And he did nothing. He missed his opportunity. A year later, after winning the Pulitzer Prize, Kevin Carter took his life. He could never escape what he didn't do on this day. You know what the good news is that comes out of this? That later on, people began to try to find this little girl and her story. And then you know that that day she actually did make it to the feeding center? And that she would live another 14 years before tragically dying of malaria. But Kevin never knew that. What he didn't do that day ate him up. Lever, let me tell you something. You're probably not going to run into a child that looks like this on the outside today. But you're going to run into a lot of people who spiritually look like this on the inside. And you know what? This whole challenge of chasing chariots, showing up for divine appointments, is so that you know what? You and I don't spend an entire week doing nothing about the lostness around us. If you see her, you better feed her. If you see her this week, you better clothe her. You see her this week, you better put some water in her. You see her this week, you get her the help she needs. Chase down her chariot. Find her where she is. And share the good news of Jesus with her. Can we pray together? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.